Good morning, I'm Allison Michaels with The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Monday, July 13th. James is out again this week, but I'll be here with the day's top headlines. Here are three stories that you need to know today. Number one. Florida on Sunday reported a record 15,300 new coronavirus cases. That number is the most by any state in a single day and a bleak sign of the U.S. failure to control the pandemic about six months after the first infection surfaced in the country. My colleagues Derek Hawkins, Felicia Sonmez, and Laura Meckler report that this staggering number was the result of both increased testing and widespread community transmission that's affected the state's population centers and its rural areas. The latest spike puts Florida at the center of the country's faltering pandemic response, highlighting the ongoing struggle of state governments to gain an edge on the virus as the White House maintains its largely hands-off approach. The seven-day average for daily new cases nationwide is considered a more reliable indicator of the virus's impact than these single-day totals. That average has risen almost 165% over the past month, from more than 20,000 in the second week of June to more than 54,000 at the end of last week. The country's daily death toll also increased last week after months of decline. In the last week alone, Florida reported nearly 70,000 new cases, the most of any state. An influx of coronavirus patients is straining the Sunshine State's hospitals, and coronavirus-related deaths in the state are trending upward after leveling off in the late spring. Amid the soaring numbers, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has stuck to an aggressive reopening plan. Guests have returned to Walt Disney World. State officials recently ordered schools to reopen five days a week in the new academic year. And the state is set to hold the Republican National Convention next month in Jacksonville. Number two. For months, Anthony Fauci has played a lead role in America's coronavirus response. He served as a narrator, assessing risks and issuing increasingly blunt warnings as the nation's response has gone badly awry. My colleagues Yasmina Butaleb, Josh Dossie, and Lori McGinley report that the Trump administration has strayed from the advice of many of its scientists and public experts, and now the White House has moved to sideline Fauci. They've scuttled some of his planned TV appearances and largely kept him out of the Oval Office for more than a month, even as coronavirus infections surge in large swaths of the country. In recent days, Fauci has found himself directly in the president's crosshairs. During a Fox News interview on Thursday with Sean Hannity, Trump said Fauci, quote, is a nice man, but he's made a lot of mistakes. And when Greta Van Susteren asked Trump last week about Fauci's assessment that the country was not in a good place, Trump said flatly, quote, I disagree with him. Fauci no longer briefs Trump and last spoke to the president during the first week of June. That's according to a person with knowledge of Trump's calendar. For some administration officials, developments like this have been a sign that their job was on the line. But Trump cannot directly fire Fauci. Fauci is a career civil servant with more than 50 years in government experience who enjoys strong bipartisan support in Congress. In any case, the official who talked to the Post said the president has no plans to get rid of Fauci. As for Fauci himself, he's frustrated by the turmoil and the state of the outbreak. But friends say he has no plans to abandon his post, which includes a critical role in the development of a vaccine vaccine and treatments. A White House official released a statement saying that several White House officials are concerned about the number of times Dr. Fauci has been wrong on things and included a lengthy list of the scientists' comments from early in the outbreak. 
Fauci's supporters, meanwhile, acknowledge early mistakes, but attribute them to the challenges posed by a new and largely unknown pathogen. All of this underscores the deteriorating relationship between a scientist and a president who once bonded over their shared New York City roots and love of sports, but whose rapport has long since disintegrated over their differences on face mask policy, on state reopening strategies, and on the use of anti-malarial drugs to treat COVID-19. Number three. All of this brings us to the state of the presidential race. President Trump's management of this summer's crises has triggered what Democrats detect as a tectonic shift in the political landscape. Democratic leaders are suddenly bullish about not only taking back the White House, but also wresting control of the Senate and expanding their House majority. My colleagues Philip Rucker, Rachel Bade, and Sungmin Kim report that Trump's incumbent advantages have steadily eroded since the spring. The president now trails presumptive Democratic nominee Joe Biden in virtually every public poll nationally and in battleground states. Trump is also lagging behind the former vice president in fundraising for May and June. Trump and his advisors insist that their campaign's internal data show the race as more competitive and that he can gain momentum in the weeks ahead with a disciplined message and a brutal, sustained assault on Biden's character, ideology, and his mental acuity. Yet Trump has never shown much discipline. And time and again this year, he has stymied his campaign's best efforts with bouts of seeming self-sabotage. On Friday night, Trump provoked critics anew with his decision to commute the prison sentence of longtime confidant Roger Stone. With the coronavirus pandemic still raging across much of the country, Biden enjoys a commanding position, though his campaign advisors say nothing is yet secured and they are careful not to take any state for granted. Both Democratic and Republican operatives increasingly view Trump as a drag on GOP candidates in many Senate and House races, especially in suburban areas where polling and focus group data suggest he has been bleeding support. Voters' disapproval of Trump's handling of the pandemic and of the racial justice movement, as measured in public surveys, has buoyed Democrats down the ballot. Some long-shot Democratic contenders in Kentucky, South Carolina, and other Republican strongholds reported staggering fundraising halls in recent days, which party leaders see as a sign that their playing fields could expand even further. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said in an interview that if the election were held today, Democrats would pick up seats and expand their majority. But she cautioned that Trump remains popular in a number of congressional districts in traditionally Republican areas that Democrats captured in the 2018 midterm elections. Pelosi said she's warned fellow Democrats not to let their guard down. Biden leads Trump by nine percentage points among registered voters in a Washington Post average of national polls conducted since mid-June. Biden also leads the incumbent, and in some cases even outside the margin of error, in recent polls in the battleground states of Arizona, Florida, Michigan, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. And that's The Daily 202 for Monday, July 13th. Stay safe, and thanks so much for listening.